Welcome back to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com, presented by Coors Light. We're back at our normal time after our 4.30 or so show yesterday. We hope you enjoyed it. It's on the side. It's up on the podcast network as well. Make sure you check it out. Today, it's Schmelk and Lance Meadow talking football with you, and I wonder what you're going to want to talk about. 201-939-4513, hashtag Giants chat. And Lance, we'll start here because I got most of my thoughts out on the trade last night, uh, yesterday afternoon when we were on the show. And you weren't on yet to talk about it, so I want to give you the opportunity. But before we do that, I just want to make sure the fans understand exactly what the Giants acquired and what they sent out. Um, The rumored Vernon-Zeitler trade and Beckham trade ended up being one big trade. So the Giants sent Odell Beckham Jr. and Olivier Vernon to the Cleveland Browns. In return, they get Kevin Zeitler, Jabril Peppers, the Browns' first-round pick, which was 17th overall, and the Patriots' third-round pick, which the Browns had previously acquired from New England, um, which is the 95th overall pick. Was that the Jamie Collins move? That it that may have been the Jamie Collins up there? move. That sounds and about right. That's what the Giants got from the Cleveland Browns for Odo Beckham Jr. and Olivier Vernon. Again, you heard my take yesterday. Lance, what do you think? Well, boy, there's so many different directions. Try to hold it to five to minutes into. if you can. Try five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will start off with this. Personally, and this is just my personal opinion, I was surprised. I did not see that coming, like many. I thought that, you know, Odell Beckham certainly was being able to maneuver through the storm of all the rumors as well as the organization. And we hear a lot about chatter over the course of an offseason. And there was a lot of chatter with the Browns. There there certainly was. was. There was a lot. And, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire is the old cliche. I think, and once again, this is my interpretation of the Giants. I don't think they went into the offseason, John, saying we're going to move Odell Beckham. I agree. I think they kept their options open like any general manager should. And... Whenever Dave Gettleman had conversations with other executives, I believe the mindset was, make me an offer. I'll listen. Yeah, and There's he, no harm in doing he that. He invited calls. He was not making the calls. Correct. Those you are two I mean? different things. Correct. And you have to do your due diligence, John, as an executive. You've got to always think about how can I improve the team. And, and then I think it got to the point where you know Cleveland upped its offer and gave the Giants some food for thought. Now, connected to that... Here's an important thing. On one side, you could say, from a fan's perspective, I'm disappointed Odell Beckham was a guy that I was so tied into, so passionate to, and you're upset to see him go. Totally understandable. But at the same time, John, you can also say, you know what? The Giants got good value in return for him. See, those to me are not synonymous with one another. No, they can be separate viewpoints. And both things can be true at the same time. 100%. Right. Mm -hmm. And the reason I bring that up is, and I put this out on social media, I'm going to rehash it on today's program because not everybody who follows the show is on social media. But I went back and I looked at some of the recent top caliber wide receivers, in my opinion, and I'm not here to debate Odell Beckham versus Antonio Brown. If if you guys and gals want to have that debate, save it for another program. I'm talking about these are all premier wide receivers, in my opinion, guys that made an impact for their respective teams who have been traded over the last two years. March 2017, Brandon Cooks, John, was traded to New England with a 2017 fourth rounder. They got a first and a third in 2017, the Saints. For Brandon Cooks. Jarvis Landry was shipped out of town in March 2018 from the Dolphins to the Browns. I'm sorry, you mean the Patriots got that? The Patriots. The Patriots, yes. You said no, no, the no. Saints, I'm sorry. Well, no, no, this is, I'm, I'm going back to when Cooks was traded from the Saints to the Patriots. I got you, yes, I'm sorry, was my since, fault. Since again gotcha. traded Correct. from the yes. Patriots to the Rams, but gotcha. I went for the initial trade. Yes, I got you, my Value bad. changes, no, yes, that's fine. Absolutely. Value changes mm-hmm. once a guy's moved multiple times. Landry, Dolphins to the Browns, a fourth and a seventh 
Amari Cooper, we know, just a first-rounder. One, though. And then Odell Beckham, as John just read you off, a first and a third. You could look at it in terms of the draft pick. So when you look at also Antonio Brown, a third and a fifth. And by the way, the players involved matter, too. 100%. Zeitler coming back. Peppers was a first-round pick. All of that has to be taken into consideration, which actually brings me to the point of, so you're telling me players were involved in that deal outside of Odell Beckham, John, yet the Giants still managed to get a first and a third. And by the way, if some of the reports are true, the Giants might have decided to let Olivier Vernon go for nothing if they couldn't pull the trade off. And then you wouldn't have had another resource to perhaps help bring back better value. So when you peel back the layers and you look at the landscape of the NFL, and I get it, because I hear from Giants fans all the time, John, you do too. Giants fans only look at it through their lens. And I understand that. Fan is short for fanatical. So I don't need to be convinced about the passion and this and that. But You know, John and I also look at the NFL overall, and I think it's important when you're analyzing a team and analyzing a trade, you can't just look at it, what it means for the Giants. I think you've got to look at it, well, what does it mean for the NFL? What has the market been like, John? What has been similar value for wide receivers? Instead, the conversation is, how does it impact the Giants? How does it only look at Odell Beckham and his value? You can't look at it in a bubble. You and just can't. By the way, that's exactly what I said yesterday. Okay, yesterday well, I wasn't show. listening to the No, program, I know you so. were. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm just saying it's funny that we both came out to the exact— and we didn't talk about this before the show either. No, not at all. So— this Delance was just on serious, and he just ran <laughs> over here to do the show. Yeah. So, not even just wide receiver trades, Lance. You look at every star player, other than quarterback, no matter the position, in the big trades in the NFL, over the last 10 years of a star player, you do not see a return that's significantly better than this. You could argue the Cleo Mack return was a little bit better, but the Bears also had to give back a two in that trade. So, that balances it out a little bit. But Cleo Mack also got a $140 million contract. The Chiefs just traded D. Ford. They got back at two, okay? Yeah. And I want to just reiterate this point that I made on yesterday's show, which I think a lot of people and, like, smart national NFL reporters are missing this. When they come out and they say, I don't understand. Why would you sign him, pay him all that money, and then trade the guy? You got more for him because he was under a long-term contract. If you're trading him on the tag, you are not getting this value back for him. You're getting one pick back. That's pretty That's much it. I mean, the fact that the Browns now control him for X number of years, and by the way, don't have to pay off any of the signing bonus, that helps his value. So yeah, does it count dead money against the cap for the Giants this year? Sure, but you get better assets back. And frankly, to me, players on the rookie contracts that I think can be Pro Bowl caliber and Jabril Peppers, and draft picks that are future assets are more valuable to me than cap space for a team coming off a 5-11 season. No, I, I that, think that's, that's my opinion. That's an excellent point, John, but I'll even keep it within the wide receiver conversation. You brought up D. Ford and Khalil Mack, which are somewhat relevant, but how about this? Jarvis Landry, if you remember, when he was traded, he was on the tag. And so okay, was, yeah. So mm-hmm. that impacted, why don't you think Miami you know, got a first and a third? They got a fourth and a seventh because I'm sure in Cleveland's mindset, they were like, John Dorsey goes to Miami, he goes, I got to work out a new deal with Jarvis Landry. I got to pay this guy. Yeah, and now you want me to give you a first rounder on top of that? Okay, now Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown, you knew, wanted a rework contract, right, John? So Mm -hmm. Oakland, Mike Mayock, first-time GM, he's saying to Kevin Colbert, yeah, I understand you guys want good picks, but at the same time, I got to now please Antonio Brown with a new contract. Not to mention Antonio Brown was limiting the teams he was willing to go to. So he had a little bit leverage So the Giants maximized their point of leverage while the Steelers— They traded Brown when maybe they didn't have great leverage. And look at the difference in the returns. 
And that brings me to the other side of the right. equation, specifically connected to the Khalil Mack trade. The Raiders, who were criticized immensely, John, even to this day. And still are, sure. For parting ways with Khalil Mack. However, now you see what they're starting to turn some of their flexibility and cap space into and the fact that they've got four very high picks. It's similar to me for the outlook and the Giants' mindset. I think Dave Gettleman, we've talked about this a lot on this program, Giants have a lot of needs. It's not just you bring in one player following the 2018 season, snap your fingers, and then all of the issues are gone. So now you've got 12 picks. You've got two first-rounders for the first time since 1984, by the way. It's been a very rare occurrence. Now you get a third-round pick back. You lost it because of the Sam Beal selection. So you're gaining valuable assets where Dave Gettleman can say to himself, it's deep on the defensive line this draft. We know we don't have Vernon. We don't have JPP. Hey, maybe I can get two pass rushers, both on rookie contracts. And by the way, you might pick two pass rushers in the first round. 100%. It's not out of the question. Yeah. And then you now have a second-round pick and a third-round pick. You get a wide receiver. You get an offensive line. So the mindset is you can walk away from this draft addressing multiple needs as opposed to, yes, Odell Beckham could remain on the roster, meant a lot to this offense, meant a lot to this team, but you're still not having the flexibility to address other needs. And that, to me, is how the Raiders looked at parting right. ways with Khalil Mack. And by the way, on top of that, now you look ahead to next year, and yeah, the Giants have incurred a lot of dead cap money on their cap this year with these trades. If you look ahead and things can change a lot, the projections from some of the websites out there, and it's not going to be exact, but it's going to be ballpark, is that the Giants are going to have a ridiculous amount of cap space next year, which gives you a lot of flexibility. And much like the JPP trade last year and the Landon Collins trade this and the Landon Collins decision not to franchise him this year, it's a long-term decision. And you might feel some short-term pain. Maybe this year, you know, you're not going to get as much out of your first and third round picks as you're going to get out of Beckham. But next year, you're going to have those picks on your roster, plus Jabril Peppers, plus you're going to have the money you would have paid Odo Beckham Jr. on his base salary to spend on other players. So that money comes back to you. It's not like it's dead for the duration of the contract. It will come back to you to use as an asset next year. So yeah, look, it might hurt this year a little bit, folks. But if you look ahead, you've got to see how it develops, how they use the assets. And much like the Cleo Mack trade in this, in, in this trade, you're not going to know whether... The deal was good for the Raiders or the Giants until you go three or four years down the road and you see what they turned those assets into, what Jabril Peppers ends up being, you know, what Kevin Zeitler does while he's here. Those are all the things you have to look at when you figure out the deal. Uh, very similar to evaluating a draft class. Sure, you, know, you don't do it after no, year one. Same thing with the trade. You got to wait, especially since you still have young players involved in that deal. And, you know, here's the other way to look at the whole criticism towards your point about, well, there's dead money. You know, why'd you trade a guy after you just signed him? Executives, John, don't think when they run NFL teams, once I sign a guy, what's going to happen three weeks later? It's a league that moves in the blink of an eye. There are so many factors that your mindset could be one way on a Thursday and then Friday a player becomes available and you change your direction. Case in point. And by the way, it's if you have a plan in the direction and it's not working, just to stick to that plan and direction no. for the sake of doing it is not smart. Changing direction is a smart thing in that situation. It's, anyway, I interrupted you. No, it's fine. It's actually real quickly, you brought up another thought. It's similar to Dave Gettleman's perspective of saying, hey, we brought in some free agents like a Patrick Omame. Could have held on to him for the entire season. But you know what? We realized it didn't necessarily work. We're going to free up a roster spot for another guy to get valuable playing time. Same thing, Eli Apple trade, Snacks Harrison trade. You see where you are midseason. You yep. look. 
we're, we're changing course here. DJ Hill, here we move go. him up, and then he gets five and a half sacks. But the point that I was going to make is, look at what happened with the Philadelphia Eagles a few years ago, John. They gave Sam Bradford an extension, right? They signed Chase Daniel. This was when Doug Peterson took over as mm-hmm. head coach. So if you're the Eagles fan, you're saying to the, yourself, okay, Bradford's going to be our starter, right? Chase Daniel's going to be the valuable backup who knows Peterson's system from his days in Kansas City. Now we're inching towards April. The Eagles move up. They make a trade. So everybody's like, what's going on here? You got two quarterbacks under contract. They gave up assets. They drafted Carson Wentz. Teddy Bridgewater gets hurt. They trade Sam Bradford. Don't tell me there weren't financial implications that hit Philadelphia as a result of that deal. So you gave Bradford the extension a few months ago, and then you traded him a few months later. It happens. Why? Because the right. dynamics of the landscape of the NFL change. And by the way, Lance and I aren't saying that this is a like slam dunk, super duper win, super smart, this is the best thing ever. That's not our point. We're just trying to explain to you the thinking behind the trade. If you're unhappy with the trade, we completely understand that too. We 100%. get it. Odell Beckham Jr. is a hell of a football player. No one's going to deny that. So... Call in if you're upset. We'll listen to you. We'll talk to you. We'll let you vent. Go ahead. We're not trying to pass judgment on the trade's good or bad. We're just giving you, you know, the, the kind of background and, and all the facets of it. And this is the last thing I want to say before we get to the calls, and then I'll let you say your last piece, and then I want to make sure we have a lot of time to get to the calls here. I'm a little torn philosophically with this because I'm under the belief that it's a pass-first league, and I probably think that way more than Dave Gettleman does, okay? But at the same time, this is what's fighting against that. And all the analytics say it, it, it's a pass-first league. And in a lot of ways, I believe in a lot of that stuff. But I saw this Giants offense look better than it has in three years, the final eight games of last year, when they stopped spreading it out, when they used big people, when they ran it more, they used more play action, and they got away from that stuff. And I went through these numbers yesterday on the show, Lance, in the four games without Odo Beckham on the field at the end of the year. And again, I'm not suggesting that the team is better on offense without Odo Beckham Jr., but the final four games shows you that with Adam on the field, you can be successful. And this was against the 17th-ranked defense, the 8th-ranked defense, the 11th-ranked defense, and the 7th-ranked defense in the league. Good teams that play good defense. The Giants averaged— And Dallas played most of its starters, by the way, in the finale. Correct. And by the way, this is also including that bad weather game against Tennessee yep. when it killed the offense. But it was also against the Redskins when they had Mark Sanchez. So those games kind of balance each other out a little bit, right? So they averaged— Two and a half more points per game in those four games than they did the rest of the year. They averaged 18 more yards per game in those four games than they did the rest of the year. Eli Manning had about nine fewer passing yards per game. And Barkley averaged around seven more rushing yards per game over that four-game stretch. So again, I'm not saying they're going to be better without Odell. That would be silly. I'm not saying that. But it shows you the way the Giants play in the second half of the year. Shepard, who can beat man-on-man coverage. Evan Ingram, who could beat man-on-man coverage. Barkley, who you can't cover man-on-man with a linebacker or a safety. Those weapons are good enough for your passing game to be dangerous. Is it going to be as dangerous? No. But the way the Giants want to play, it's going to work. And I think when you look at, and this is the, the tweet I wanted to mention yesterday from Albert Breer, and I'll bring it up on my phone right now. When you look at the Super Bowl champions over the course of the last 10 years, and you take a look, at who their number one wide receivers were oh, yeah. on those teams, I did right? see that tweet. Now I know what you're talking about. These are the top 10 wide receivers in the last 10 Super Bowl champions. Julian Edelman, Alshon Jeffrey, Edelman again, Demarius Thomas, Edelman again, Golden Tate, Anquan Bolden, Victor Cruz, or Varkeen Next, depending on what your take is on that. Greg Jennings and Marquez Colston. Good wide receivers. No question about it. 
Do you see any of the upper echelon guys? And that's not me saying those guys prevent you from winning. The point that I'm making is that you don't have to have one of those guys to win. There's a way to win without one of those guys. And I think that's how Dave Gettleman and his staff here envisions building the team. And I get if you disagree with it, and I understand why you would, but there is some history to that that you don't need that guy in order to win a Super Bowl. And now I'll let you say your piece before Well, I'm going to piggyback off of what I think is a really good point because I'm going to keep it within Gettleman's philosophy. When he was in Carolina and the team made the Super Bowl, I know they lost to the Broncos, so you didn't list Carolina's yeah, But they still got there. They still got there. I mean, if I'm correct, wasn't Kelvin Benjamin hurt that year? I think he missed the majority he of the year. Have. He got hurt. So you know, Steve Smith wasn't there anymore. It wasn't the who's who of the NFL when it came to their receiving core. They ran the football. They had a good offensive line play until they were beat up, obviously, by Denver, and they had a really good defense. So that philosophy, I think, is being carried over to the Giants. So that is well taken. And by the way, the Chargers had a great passing game last year. Yeah. Tyrell Williams was their best wide receiver. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, Keenan Allen was on the team. Oh, I, you I know what? I'm, you know what? Him. My bad. I'm sorry. Well, no, Tyrell I, Williams was their deep guy. No, you're to right. your point. I forgot about Keenan, Allen. Keenan Allen. I take yeah. it back. That's fair. Yeah. My bad. You must have not owned a fantasy. No, that's I did why. not. You just dismissed him. See, he helped me win a yes. championship two years ago. I'll never forget that's that. That's my bad, Lance. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. No worries. No, the last point that I wanted to bring up, and, and, and this has always personally irritated me, I hate the whole distraction narrative, and this is the one aspect of things that I don't think we've covered yet, but it's not so much the distraction. It's the fact that I think a lot of people are piling on Odell Beckham now that he's no longer with the team to make themselves feel good about him not being on the team. And I was doing some homework because I log every single penalty, John, as you well know, that has taken place specifically since Beckham joined the team. And this narrative that his behavior, I'm not talking about the off the field, okay? I'm talking about specifically on the field, emotions, dancing in the end zone. He picked up five personal fouls in five years. Yeah, five. You're right about that. Five. Mm -hmm. Not 10, not 15, not 25, not 35 two of which came in the Josh Norman incident, which he was wrong and deserved to be punished. And we talked about that on the show. And I will not that. defend him for that. He deserved to be punished. I'm talking about outside of that. I think what people need to understand is the facts do not add up to this narrative that him showcasing emotion on the sideline all of a sudden cost the Giants field position, forced them to lose games. That whole thing with the net, there were no penalties assessed against the Giants. Go back and watch that game. Okay? Not one penalty. Nobody lost field position. Nobody threw an interception as a result of that. And I don't want to get into a whole tangent on some of the other issues. I'm sure people will call up, and I'll be more than happy to go back and forth. But if you're going to point to me that his behavior contributed to a losing mentality on the field in games, there is no factual evidence that supports that other than pure speculation. So if you're going to run with that, go back. I went and I looked at every penalty. Five personal fouls in five years, two of which came in one game. That means three other personal fouls outside of that Panthers game. You want to pile on Odell Beckham all you want to make yourself feel good about the deal? That's fine. But the facts tell a completely other story. Right. Just wanted I, to throw that out. I do think it's fair, and we've talked about the issues on the show, that off the field there had been some things that had to well, be addressed. And, and, and I wasn't stuff. necessarily Correct. considering that. And, and, and yes, there were Correct. certainly off the field. There were things said in interviews. I'm not going to deny that, though. Yes. I, I think the boat trip was completely blown out of proportion, John. Bad and, optics, but th did it have an impact on the actual game? No, probably not. And there were other wide receivers, by the way, involved in that. It wasn't mm -hmm. just Odell Beckham, right. which is important to me. But I, I think, and I don't know if you read the article, if you go to the New York Post and Paul Schwartz's article this morning, I think he did a really good job kind of going through it and balancing both sides of it. So take a look, give it a read, 
That's kind of our take. All right, let's do your calls at 201-939-4513. And again, I just want to say great job yesterday, guys. I know we started later than we were supposed to. We had a full bank of calls the whole show. We have a full bank now, and we'll take your calls all show long. Let's do this. Scott in New Mexico will lead us off. What up, Scott? Hi, guys. How are you doing today? What's up, Scotty? Uh, I'm not going to relitigate all the moves that were being made. Uh, one thing that I've been watching a number of the shows uh, on ESPN and NFL Network, and a lot of people are, vil <laughs> are vilifying uh, Dave Gettleman right and left, and I have a different slant on the whole thing. Uh, you know, people look at Dave Gettleman and they think uh, they look at him as a saint and he can do no wrong. And then they look at him as a devil, and uh, and he can do no right. And he's neither a saint nor a devil. He's a man, and he makes mistakes. He made some mistakes in the beginning of the season. Uh, I think that are acknowledged with Omame and with Stewart, and uh, maybe thinking that the Giants had more on the table than they really did. Uh, especially when he came out and when the reporter asked him, uh, are you going to win? You know, this team was built to win now, and obviously it wasn't. No, but Scott, look, but the bottom line is in this whole built-to-win-now thing last year, did Dave Gettleman make moves to try to win last year? Yeah, Absol I think he did. Absolutely and he did. No one's arguing that, but he didn't make those moves and it, it, to and jeopardize the future in the process. You know what I mean? Right. But right. My, my point is this, and I think both of you have acknowledged it, and I, I wanted to get it, and I'll, I know you have a lot of calls, so I'll try to keep it short. Yeah. Uh, both of you have said uh, that uh, Dave Gettleman really doesn't give, uh, I'll use this word, doesn't give a damn about what people think. No, and he does as not a manager no, and as a former manager, I don't think that's necessarily a good character trait. I think he needs to take in other opinions. Maybe he does, but the opinion oh, no, that sometimes I get is that he doesn't do that. No, that, no, no, Scott. That he's his own man, and I, that does bother me a little bit. Well, well, well Scott, uh, thanks for the call. Yeah, by the way, two different yeah, things I want to I, I make yeah. sure that, uh, first of all, I want to let you know, we're going to try to do rapid fire today in the calls. But I know we're gonna, we want to get a lot in. We're going to go an hour. I want to make sure I get as many in as I can. So try to make your big point, either ask your question or make your comment. We'll let you go, unless you something factually wrong, and in which case we'll correct you. We'll let you go, say whatever you want to say, and then we want to get onto as many calls as possible. Dave Gettleman, when, I, when we say he, he doesn't give a you-know-what about what other people think, I'm talking about the talking heads on TV. I'm talking about the people on the outside. Outside Trust noise. Me. He talks to Kevin Abrams. He talks to Mark Kahn's. He talks to Kenny Sternfeld and, and the other people in the pro personnel department. He talks to Chris Pettit and the people in the draft room. He doesn't just take all their advice and information and throw it in a trash bin and do whatever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about the heat that you're talking about. You know, you're watching the NFL Network. Oh, he got ripped off. Oh, this and that, this and that. If you think he cares what some former player or reporter says on NFL Network about what he's doing, that he doesn't care about. He does care about what the people in the building are saying and giving him advice on what he should do because that's their job and that's what he pays them for. Yeah, 100%. Those are the people you trust. Those are the people you right. should be listening to. You shouldn't be scrolling through Twitter and listening to the social media GMs. That's what we essentially mean by that. And I would say that philosophy should be adopted by every single general manager yes. in the NFL. Not just Dave Gettleman. He's not on an island. For example, the Raiders are still receiving criticisms as, criticism, as we mentioned, about Khalil Mack. I mean, do you think that they're losing sleep over what 
the feedback is coming in even to this day. No, they did what they thought was good for the well-being of the franchise. And that's exactly how I think Dave Gettleman interprets it. I understand there's a lot of fans that may be irritated and, you know, this is a polarizing type of move, but he's going to do what's good for the franchise and listen to the feedback from the individuals around him who know what they're doing and he's put them in positions to do that. Not necessarily individuals that just have an opinion because, let's face it, opinions are like body parts and I'll use the PG-13 version. Everybody's got one. Doesn't mean you put substance behind the ball. 201-939-4513. Chris joins us next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's up, Chris? Hey, what's up, John? Lance, Lance, great job on uh, NFL Radio, too, by the way. Enjoy Appreciate listening that. to you over there. Thanks for tuning in. I thought you were mediocre, but that's okay. <laughs> I, you know, you, you opened that up for him to say a comment, Chris. So while hey, I appreciate the feedback, I thank you for uh, giving him more material. In fairness, I went with mediocre, which is usually a lot more complimentary than I usually go. <laughs> that's true. I've heard a lot worse, yeah. actually. So, yeah. Go ahead, Chris. So, uh, I'll, I'll, thanks. I'll make it rapid fire. You know, I'm torn just like a lot of fans. I could see it both ways. Uh, I'm ready to turn the page now. It's almost going to be two days. So, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be time for uh, us to move on. Uh, you know, the media has said quite a bit since this all went down, or actually since yesterday, about now look for the Giants. You know, Barkley's going to get be getting beaten up. They're going to have eight in the box. Well, just to your point, and that's why I really called, John, you made the point already. I mean, the Giants with the four games without Odell, um, you know, they put up some points. So it's going to be a lot of double tight end, I think, uh, you know, a lot more motion. You know, they're going to move Barkley around. Uh, my concern right now is, you know, the best receiver out there uh, available is Golden Tate. Uh, you know, maybe there's a play for him because right now we don't have a number one, and I would think Golden Tate would, would really – uh, be like having another number two with Shepard, but um, and then my last and my last point, and then I'll get off, uh, get out of your way. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, John, when you interview uh, Peppers and Zietler, what their reactions were when both of those trades went down. Thanks again, guys. Talk to you soon. Hi, Thank you, Chris. And you know the problem, and this is kind of what we've seen. Golden Tate is is very strong shepherding in terms of his size and how he plays and where you want to use him. And he's a good player. I like Golden Tate. I talked about when the Eagles acquired him last year. I thought it was a nice move. I think he's a real good player, but. Does he complement what you already have on the roster? I'm not sure about that. I like him. I think he's a heck of a player. Well, I agree with you. I, I think that he wouldn't necessarily be the ideal complement. I, I think you're maybe duplicating. But I also go back to what we were talking about earlier, John, with respect to Gettleman's philosophy when he built up Carolina. He parts way with Steve Smith, who was much older than Odell Beckham. I'm not making that comparison. And then he drafted Kelvin Benjamin, and he drafted you know, the Devin Funchesses of the world. So he went younger. I could see the Giants maybe now looking at a right. wide receiver through the draft, which to me makes a lot more sense. Here's an additional question for you. And this pop—I didn't talk about this yesterday we did talk about wide receivers in the draft yesterday this popped in my head this morning if this team really wants to play big and run a lot of play action and work that way they have the second first round pick now if tj hawkinson's sitting there at 17 he's a two-way tight end that blocks is a really good receiver if you're really going to run out two tight ends 60 70 percent of the snaps you can split them out wide and third and long, have Ingram in one slot, have Hawkinson in the other. Is that something you think about? Look what the Eagles do. The yeah, Eagles have paid I, I know. two I tight ends just a bring lot. That up. They have Zach Center, Ertz, they have Dallas, Dallas Goddard. Goddard. Yeah. Is that something the Giants should think about? It's a strong tight end draft. Maybe you don't pick Hawkinson. Maybe you pick Irv Smith with the sixth pick in, in the second round. Is that something that you think about now after this trade's happened? Because it's not a, it's not a wide receiver weapon. 
but it's certainly somebody that you can't cover one-on-one if you pick one of these top tight ends. I, I wonder. I think it's an interesting thought. I'm just wondering, and I wanted to refresh my memory, Goddard was the 49th overall pick, so he was second a second round rounder. Pick. Yep. Are you maximizing the value of one of your first-round picks by taking a tight end? And that's a fair question. That's it's a fair question. It now, was just granted, Evan Ingram was head. a first-round pick, so I'm not saying that it's just based on position, John. It's just you already invested a first-round pick recently in Ingram. I just I don't know if that would be fully maximizing the value. I get your point, and here's my other concern: coaches, GMs, players are not forever. I don't know if I love drafting a player simply because of your offensive philosophy. I think that's fair, you know, too. It, it's my concern about, and I don't want to get off topic, but it's somewhat of my concern about this chatter that won't die down that Cliff Kingsbury loves Kyler Murray because right. of his system. Well, let me tell you this. What if they turn around and they get rid of Kingsbury after two years? Now you're stuck with a quarterback, John, who now the new head coach may not love. Never draft a guy because of your infatuation with your system. All right, well, let me, let me give a follow-up. What if they get the 17 and he's the highest graded player on their Well, board? then I'm fine with it. If okay. it equates to value, John. And by the way, yeah. he, and he, I, might, he might be. If, if I he mean, is. Daniel he Jeremiah is, yeah. has him as the sixth best player in the draft on his board. He's a really good football player. So you would be okay with it if he has the highest individual grade. Yeah, he board. has to have the highest okay. individual grade. And, and, and I agree. Yeah. I wouldn't pick him if I have somebody else rated higher at that time. That's not the point I was trying to make. No, and I, I, I didn't take it that way. I think with Beckham here, I would have ruled out taking a wide receiver or a tight end at that point. Because I think you have so many weapons, of course. they're never going to get on the field. Changes the dynamics. Then. Right. So now I think it's a consideration if he's your best value. Before, I don't think he was. And by the way, at 6, I don't think he would have been your best value. But at 17, now it's a different conversation. Maybe it's no offense too. What if he's their highest graded player at 17? Who ran basically wide receiver times and wide receiver three cone times at the combine. So... Just something I thought of this morning in yeah. passing. Well, and a lot of teams are going to two tight end sets yeah. and two mm -hmm. versatile tight ends. I think Philadelphia is an excellent example. I really like what the Eagles have done, but you just think of Goddard as a second rounder. They didn't necessarily, you know, and target that, and I and think, knowing they already had Ertz on the roster, was by the way. Ertz a first round pick? Or he, I think he was a second round pick too, right? If I, think I remember Ertz right. may have been a second round pick too. 201 939 4513. Just food for thought as we now. And boy, you know we had a lot of draft talk before with all these extra picks. Well, now it's going to be even more. We got yeah. a million guys we're going to have to talk about. We're going to we're starting to book all these school interviews, by the way. So, oh boy, we got a lot of draft picks to worry about. Earth's second round, they're thirty fifth overall. I thought back so. In so back back end of the second round. We want to remind you that Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to an amazing Giants prizes. Gary in Virginia is up next. Hey, Gary. How you doing? What's up, Gary? All right, Gary. What's on your mind? I just want to take a different look at uh, at the loss. I I'm a big Gettleman fan. I think what he's doing is unpopular, but I think he's doing the right things. So the three big losses is Collins, Vernon, and Odell. <clears throat> and I think with the trades, we can almost replace them. With Peppers, um, Collins might be a little better, but Peppers is rising, I'm and not he's sure healthy. He is. Honestly, Gary, I looked at the tape, and look, I didn't watch a lot of Browns football last year. So I, I didn't know what I was going to get into when I started watching Peppers. When I watched him, uh, I think he can be he. Let me put it this way: he has the physical tools to be a better player than Landon Collins. I agree, and I'll leave it at that. I agree. <clears throat> yep. And then if we, you know, the sixth pick, if 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 uh, Josh Allen slides, I mean, doesn't take, you know, he only has to slide one or two spots. You know, I would say he might be better than Vernon. We could call it even. And then you take uh, a guy like Metcalf at seventeen. That replaces now. You're not going to replace Odell, but. But, you know, at least it's another number one pick. 
and then you also have Zeitler and a third rounder and 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 all that money. So I don't know. I think I think it was a good I think it was a good move. That's all I got for you. Appreciate it, Gary. Thanks for weighing in. I, based on the history, I don't know how sold I am on a wide receiver at, in the first round. I do think they'll be looking for one somewhere in the draft. And I think Funchess was a second-round pick for Dave Gettleman, if I recall. Sounds about right. Um, so they will pick a wide receiver, and I think you're going to look for some of the bigger guys, too. I know people have talked about well, Penny Hart and stuff like that and, and Andy Isabella and players like that. But, you know, look, look at the Hakeem Butlers of the world. Uh, Nikhil Harry is another bigger guy. Uh, Hunter Renfro is another bigger guy. I think that's the type of wide receiver to play that X position that you'll be keeping an eye on in the draft. But look, you want someone to get an open. Size aside, you're going to pick the better wide receiver. I'm not picking a tall guy Talent just because overalls. he's tall. Yeah. But I would still think up front, up front, up front in that first round. A lot of people think, too, oh, you get the two picks now, trade up for a quarterback. I pump the brakes. If, they're, if he's sitting there at six, that's one thing. I'm open to it. I don't know if I like trading up. I know people are going to kill me for that. And remember, I'm not anti-quarterback. I won the quarterback. <laughs> I won the bit the quarterback last year. But there's so many talented players in this draft, Lance, to use two picks now to get a quarterback. I don't know. It's a lot of real estate. It goes back to the main reason why I think they made the Beckham deal is to address multiple needs, not necessarily just one. And Gettleman did say that in the press release yesterday, too, by the yeah, way. Yeah, and it makes sense. Wide receiver, to me, it's not the height. It's how they can play and how you could utilize them. There's some smaller guys that could also play on the outside. Sure, absolutely. So, you know, that's how I think the Giants need to evaluate the receiving core. Just real quickly of the last caller sentiments, let Josh Allen play an NFL snap or two before we say he's much better than Vernon. And I understand the point that no, he was right. making, but when you hear it, you start to cringe. Same thing with Metcalf. Not that he was saying he was going to offset Beckham immediately, but let these guys get on the field, John, before we all of a sudden give grades on trades. The, the immediacy... The lack of patience in saying we've got to have a winner and a loser. You know what? It would be great if both teams could look back and say, hey, Cleveland got some good quality out of this and the Giants got good quality out of it because you know Cleveland's a franchise that's looking to rise through the rankings and the Giants obviously are trying to you know, recraft and retool this roster, which clearly after the last few seasons, you realize needs help on both defense and offense. And I know we, last time we were on together, we had the debate. Transformation was the word we settled on, right? Yes, but I think you're a little inching a little bit closer to rebuild at this point. Well, you know, I mean, here, here's going to be a whole other conversation. I know, I know we want to get all the calls. I don't want to go there but either. I, but. I, I want to I say this real quickly, why I'm still against the whole rebuilding philosophy. First of all, we've seen teams go from last to first real quickly. Right. And, and that's not to make a case for the Giants to have a magical season. I'm not bringing that up. The Bears, for example, went from last to first, John. Right. And that happened mm-hmm. real quickly. But Indianapolis, to me, is a good example. Who would have thought the Colts? John, Got a relatively young roster. Don't tell me it's full of superstars. You can say all you want about, well, Andrew Luck got back to full health. They invested a lot in the draft. And well, they, you know what? I think a lot of those guys exceeded expectations. They drafted Darius Leonard. They drafted Quentin Nelson. They drafted, they drafted uh, Braden Smith. Braden Smith, thank yeah. you. But yeah. those are unproven NFL commodities. You sure. can't tell me you yeah. know for sure what they were going to do. And, and Matt Eberflus was working with, come on, outside of Leonard, John? Who was on that defense? No, you're right. I'm 100% agree. And, and Indianapolis won games. And, and, I, and, and I think... I'm more okay using the word rebuild because I don't think it has the connotations that other people do. I think some people, when they say rebuild, think that means you're tanking. And that's not what's happening. And I'll be very clear about that. That's not what's happening. Now, I think the turnover with the roster when you trade current stars for future selections, I think I understand why you would want to use that term. But 
the Giants are still going to try to compete this year. 100%. They're going to try to win football games. And they're going to make moves to try to win football games, okay? Now, is it harder without having an Odell Beckham Jr. on your roster? Sure. No one's going to argue that. He's a good football player. But is that going to be the case in two years? In 2020? They're still going to try to win games this year, folks. They are. And I know you might not care or believe it, but they are still going to do everything they can to win as many football games as possible in 2019. Antonio Manhattan is up next. Antonio! Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, it's a tough day for me, man. I am uh, heartbroken. And I understand that, Antonio. Bleed for us. Bleed with your heart. Um, what do you got? Give it to me. Just wanted to ask you guys, so I know you guys are giving us the pers- another side of perspective, but I just want to ask you guys personally, do you agree with the trade, yes or no? That simple yes or no. I, I, I don't think it, it is a yes or no question, though, Antonio. Do I understand the trade? Yes, I do. I, I, I know you, you guys clearly have understand the trade and seen the perspective. I even see the perspective. I just want to know if you guys agree with it. Honestly, if you guys if, 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 it, you guys would have been GM. If the Browns called me and asked me if I would have done this trade, Quite honestly, and by the way, I think you heard Paul yesterday. He might have a different answer. I would have done the trade, yes. Yeah, from a value standpoint, I have no issue. I told you from a personal standpoint, I was surprised. I I really didn't see that coming. But when you evaluate the value compared to other wide receiver deals, it's hard for me to sit here when you look across the league and say, wow, the Giants didn't get some good return that they could build upon moving forward. Here's just what I want to say now in the comment, and and then I'll get off the phone. Is I just think that this was all out of impulse, and um, you know, like impulse with respect to what? In in terms of like this, this team didn't have like a direction because let's just take a little bit back to Landon Collins. I feel like you're negotiating with somebody during the whole entire season, you know, with his agent. If you don't see eye to eye what's going to happen. A, I either would have traded him during the season, or B, I would have tagged him to trade him. Um, that's one thing. The other thing, too, is why if they went all in because they decided to go with a running back instead of a quarterback with Barkley, now this just looks kind of weird, man. Like, man, now we have an aging quarterback now. We could go after this draft, but still, it looks like it, it, looks like it, just, it just looks like it's going to be a lot of bad seasons coming up. And, and I get it. They're trying to pull kind of what the Yankees did. They traded all their stars. But I just feel like, in my opinion, actually. guys, they just didn't get the returns that they that – the, like, as opposed to the Yankees, the Yankees got a whole bunch of better returns than what the Giants did. And well, that's but my the opinion, sports guys. are different, though. So, Thank I you, Antonio. Mean, appreciate the call. compare with respect to that. Once again, I'm still going to go back to some of these other teams that – you know, really didn't have a lot of superstars. Who would have thought, once again, that the Indianapolis Colts would have been on the brink of winning a division, getting into the playoffs? So you can't just look at a roster on paper, John. And just like the dream team in Philadelphia had a bunch of names, and what all of a sudden happened with that team? That was a big disappointment. I think too many people, they look at names. And you look at the Giants roster, and I would agree with most people. There's not a lot of names, meaning a lot of proven guys that you know could go out there four or five seasons, give you 100 catches, give you 1,000 yards. I get that. But that's not the only ingredient to winning in the National Football League. Yeah, and you and I, neither of us nor the fans know what conversations the Giants had with Landon Collins during the year as agent or what conversations they had with other teams in terms of a trade. So I don't know what those conversations were, what any offers were, so I can't speak to it. In terms of tagging him and trading him, for one, the NFL frowns upon that. Can't do that. But even for a team like the Chiefs that did, they tagged E. Ford. I think they wanted to bring him back and sign him. They ended up trading him. They only got a second-round pick. A pass rusher, and if you look at the size of his contract, 
is more valuable than a safety. So the Giants assuming you're going to get less than that in a trade, right? I think that's fair to say than for a pass rusher, right? Depending on what happens in free agency, they might get a third-round compensatory pick anyway, which means you are going to get in a compensatory you're gonna get pick, some return. What you would have gotten the trade potentially anyway. So I, that I, that I'm not that concerned with. Well, and remember, it also goes back to the point we were talking about the wideouts. The team that acquires him, that gives up the asset, then has to say we have to work out a long term deal right. with Landon Collins, John. Right. So that clearly impacts the value too. So you not only have to pay him the type of contract that the Redskins gave him, but then you got to give him a draft pick on top of that. That's yeah. a lot of assets for one player at a non premium position. Well, and here is one last thing before we go back to the calls. As far as direction goes, Dave Gettleman does not have ties to a lot of the players on the roster because he didn't draft them, John. So when you evaluate this team and you look at what a player did in a game, just because you may think highly of the player, the previous general manager thought highly of the player, doesn't mean Dave Gettleman shares the same perspective. That doesn't mean that Landon Collins is a bad player, and I'm not saying Odell Beckham is a bad player. That's not my point. It's just you have to understand his vision could be very different than the individual who made the decision to draft these players because he prioritizes different positions and wants to invest money in different positions. And I think there is a plan. He wants to build from the inside out. He wants to build as close to the football and then go farther away from the football. He believes the players inside help you win football games more than the perimeter players. We'll see what happens as he builds his team and whether or not that works. If it doesn't work... Everybody knows what's going to happen. If it works, then it'll be great. And we'll wait and see. The analytics say that his way is not the way anymore. That's fair. But let's see what happens when he actually builds the roster. Okay? Let's see what happens. The Patriots have never spent money on wide receivers. They do okay. Yeah, well, that's who I was going to bring up, and then people but are going to counter. Brady, of it's the exception to the rule. You pick the one franchise that does it differently do than they, everybody else. Do the Eagles spend a lot of money on wide receivers? No, they haven't. They spend a little splashes. bit. I mean, they've made some acquisitions. Yeah, but it's not but such as Golden Tate, Jeffrey, but haven't necessarily you know locked up guys. I mean, Jordan Matthews, they didn't give uh, the Eagles a big have deal to. the best one of the best offensive lines in football and one of the best defensive lines in football clearly one of the best defensive lines and one of the best offensive lines yeah no question uh, Philly's offensive line has been solid yeah they built around the trenches and it, it did wonders for them and they've consistently maintained a position where they could compete for a division title why because they shored up their house inside that's what it comes down to and, and by the way this was not an impulse trade yeah if I don't, you don't understand think that Dave either. Gettleman hasn't been thinking about this for the last two and a half months or three and a half months since the season ended, you're nuts. This is not, a, you don't make a trade like this on impulse. Yeah, well, you don't, it, period. John, it goes back to what we talked about at the top of the show. Yeah. I, I thought his perspective was, I'm not looking to aggressively move him, but if you Big blow no. me away with Correct. an offer, mm-hmm. I'll hear you out. And then we may have that dialogue moving and, forward. And I know some fans probably don't think this is a blow you away offer. And I understand that. Because it is in line with other trades that we've seen, like we've talked about. It's very much in line or even a little bit better than a lot of the trades we've seen. But Dave Gettleman thought differently, and that's why he made the move. Tyler in Massachusetts is up next. Tyler, what's up? Hey, what's up, man? What's going on? Yeah, so I'm really excited to see uh, Jabril Peppers play, and I'm really excited to see what they're going to do with all these draft picks. But, uh, Tyler, I'm excited you, know, you actually brought up the two players the Giants acquired in this trade because I think both players could be Pro Bowl players next year. i got to be honest with you. I really do. Well, yeah, Jabril Pepper's a really exciting player, you know, and uh, 
I'm a Giants fan. I've been listening to you guys for like three months. You guys do a great job. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. You know, uh, born in New England, so that kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's perfect, Tyler. It's okay. Well, the, the, the Giants did but beat yeah, that man, team I'm twice, a, though, a, the last I'm time a, I checked. I'm a good deal, go, you know. And that's fair, too. Yeah, it really sucks. And uh, He's a hell of a player. Yes, he is. No doubt about We're it. We're going to really get some wide receivers, I think. Yeah, you know what, though? they Here's the thing, Tyler. Evan Ingram, you can't cover man-on-man with a safety or linebacker. Sterling Shepard does good against man coverage. You see the dynamic deep threat that Odell is? No, probably not. At least he hasn't shown that. And Saquon Barkley's a matchup nightmare. So I don't think you need to add another Odell Beckham. Obviously, right. if, obviously, if you look at the wide receiver depth chart, they need to add people at the position. No one's arguing that. And you need to add good players at the position. But do you have to have that super-duper-duper star at that position? The way the Giants want to play? I don't think you do. Right, right, right. Yeah, I can agree with that. I think we definitely need a number one, though, the way you were saying earlier. Sure. We're definitely going to need somebody. Well, yeah, but the number one could come. On well, the, but the it's number one could come through a youth movement. And I thanks guess, for the call. The we appreciate it. And thanks so much for weighing in. The number one doesn't necessarily have to come through a big name in free agency. Not that there's a ton of wide receivers that fit that bill available right now. Right. But there's nothing wrong with them saying, "Hey, you know what? We think this guy's got potential to be a number one wide receiver, and we're going to use a draft pick for him." And that could very well be the vision. If you I mean, go back to Carolina and what Gettleman did, similar game plan. When Michael Thomas was drafted in the second round, did people think he Saints. was going to be a superstar? It's yeah, a good example. Well, what about Antonio Brown, who went even later when the Steelers took him? Juju Smith-Schuster, who they're hoping now is going to be the number one. He wasn't necessarily a first-round pick. So you take that into consideration, and people are going to bring up, well, you know, it's like quarterbacks. The higher you pick a guy, the more likely he's going to turn out. And, and I it's get true. That. And it's true. But I think there's been a number of more success stories at the wide receiver yes, position, John. That is correct. Than there has been a quarterback. Jarvis Landry was a second-round pick uh, in that you, 2014 class. If you look at the history of first-round wide receivers in the last six drafts, it's a freaking graveyard. Yeah. It's a disaster. I mean, it is a mess. And for the people out there arguing— that's actually an argument against the trade because it's hard to find really good wide receivers. Look at all the wide receivers picked in the first round, but I think it also informs you, as you look ahead, how you acquire that next wide receiver. It doesn't have to be that first-round pick because, as we've seen, those haven't exactly worked out. You know what I'm saying? Well, by the way, on that topic, isn't it interesting now that I think about it and you just had this jump into my head, that 2014 draft class— at wide receiver was ridiculous on paper, right? I mean, people yep. were talking about it could go down as one of the best. How interesting, John, that the majority of those wide receivers have now all switched teams. Except for Mike Evans. You know, that, yeah, but He's the it. only one. He's the only exception. Mm-hmm. And, and he got the big contract. But as I wait for my computer to disrupt here in the flow, you've got there you go. Brandon Cooks. You've got Jarvis Landry, who we mentioned. You know, Kelvin Benjamin obviously had to deal with Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins is another guy. Yep. I mean, they all moved. Now, I'm not comparing them all to Odell Beckham. No. I would put Odell Beckham ahead of all of those guys that I listed. But the point is, it's not as if everybody stayed put. They found their wide receiver, as you were saying, because it's so difficult. Locked them up and said, hey, we're sticking it out. I think they also realized, hey, our teams have other needs. If we could get valuable assets in return, we're going to go in that direction. And this is a deep draft with wide receiver. I don't think it has those stars at the top. Next year's draft is actually supposed to be a really good wide receiver draft. FYI. And again, you never know what's going to happen. Well, Keep it's it never too early now. on this show to speculate Correct. about the 2020 <laughs> draft, John. Oh, I'm just, saying. Just bringing more phone calls. Correct. Sorry about that. Yeah. But it is projecting to be a very good wide receiver draft next year for whatever that's worth. But 
you don't have to take the guy in the first round. And this is a good day two, early day three wide receiver class, and you can probably find a good player. Is he going to be Odo Beckham Jr.? No, probably not. And that's fine. But you can get somebody to come in and help you, and maybe you won't even be in the first year. It might take a year for the guy to get going and, and be that guy. And we'll see what happens. 201-939-4513. All right, we got four more calls, and then I'm going to try to find a couple of tweets, Matt Cohen. I think I can maybe track down a couple, right? Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. Make sure you send them in. I'll read a couple of your questions. We'll give our comments. It's all presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to an amazing Giants prizes. Chris in Texas is up next. Hello, Chris. Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. Always good talking to you. Hi, Chris. Uh, how are you? Lance, What's happening? Lance, nice job earlier this morning on uh, the NFL uh, Appreciate radio that. on Sirius. Nice to tune in. More like subpar, but that's okay. Uh, uh, He's getting worse as the show goes much. along. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry, Chris. Don't worry. Go I'm going to remind John that's two compliments now on this program, by the way. So, subpar yeah. is a compliment? No, I was talking about two callers oh, that oh, referenced yes, the show. That's what I was yeah, referring thanks, to. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate but, it. Go ahead. Yeah. He's a big enough uh, well, uh, quick comment and uh, quick question. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, regard, regarding the trade, I like the trade. Ask me in a couple of years. I'll let you know if I love the trade, but I like it. Fair. I wanted to get rid of Odell. Uh, we did get the two first-rounders out of it. it. You know, Peppers was the first-rounder. So uh, we did get the two first out of it and, and the third. So I'm okay with that. The question that I have is, um, Peppers, being a first-rounder, do we still have the opportunity to get that fifth-year option, or because we didn't draft him, uh, we don't get that option? No, that, that, that fifth-year option is there. So the Giants have that fifth-year option on him, no doubt about it. And the reason why, yeah, r- r- real quickly, the reason why the Cowboys acquired Amari Cooper. Now, I believe the Raiders may have picked up Amari's option. I may be wrong, so they inherited that option. We can look at that for clarification, but John's right. When you move, the option is still in play. It, it doesn't change. Okay, so that's huge. So now we got him for three years yep. at that rookie deal, which is great. Well, remember, that, um, that, that fifth-year option, it does go up. The fifth-year option will go up probably to the money rises, yeah. eight or so million, I bet, something like that. But it's still less than what you would have to pay on the free agent market. Yeah, we won't have to revisit what we just went through with Landon Collins. Correct. Uh, you yes. know, at least. Yeah. Not, and and by the way, later. Chris, before we let you continue, I just looked it up. The Raiders exercise Cooper's fifth-year option right before the start of the 2018 season, traded him to the Cowboys, so Dallas still benefits from that fifth-year option. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, no, just last comment. I am hoping, and I, w- I forgot which one of you gentlemen said this earlier, but I'm hoping we don't package the two first-rounders to move up. I agree. Yep. If Haskins is there at six and you love him, go for it. I like him right now. I'd like to see a little bit more comments from you guys in the future and, and, and management about you know, how they feel about him. But mm-hmm. I really, really think we need to build this depth, and I'd hate to compromise packaging those two picks to move up. So that's my take. Fair you take. Appreciate great. the call. Chris, Thank thanks you. for weighing in. Appreciate it. That's a very fair take, and it's something that we echoed in terms of those sentiments earlier in the program. I, I think the Giants are in a great position to add depth across the board, not necessarily just one position. And by the way, I'm going to read this tweet. And, he's, and it just shows that we don't... We, I invite negative comments. They're fun. Yes. This one from... At Zuzankt, these puppets you got on this show are a joke. Guy just said, we're recrafting the roster and retooling it, but in no way tanking. We're cash-strapped with no players to show for it, just 12 picks. Well, first of all, just 12 picks is a joke. I think they have probably more picks than any other team in the league at this point this year, except for maybe the Raiders, okay? Well, if you're tanking, why would Eli Manning still be on the roster? Why would Alec Ogletree still be on the roster? Why would Janoris Jenkins still be on the roster? High-priced veterans that could save you cap space that you can carry into next year. 
if you were tanking, those players wouldn't be here. They'd be gone. They're here because they are trying to compete. They're not trying to lose games this year. They're trying to win football games. So that's why they're not tanking. Are they, in my opinion, doing something that looks like a rebuild? Sure. Lance doesn't like that word. That's fine. But they are not trying to lose football games. You will see them now use salary cap space on players to try to win football games. That's how this is going. Just want to be very clear about that. This team and the ownership has said it and the GM has said it. The GM said it two weeks ago at the Combine. Tanking doesn't work. He's not in favor of it. He literally said that two or three weeks ago. Well, So that's why they're not tanking. Which people, by the way, don't even know what the word means anymore. It's been misused well, so much. Because they're fascinated with what's going on in the NBA, and that term is thrown out like Correct. it's nothing. By the way, love the complimentary photo, which you neglected to mention with that tweet. Now, Am I looking at the right one? Do you think um, I'm the guy that's holding your eyes open, or are you holding my eyes well, open Well, considering on that, on that, that guy chip? is smaller than I must be the one that's getting my eyes held open. I think I'm, I'm like the scientist-looking guy. I'm okay yeah, with that. Yeah, you have the lab coat on yeah, and that's everything. Fine. That's fine. Yeah, I'm okay I, with I, that. I will take on any role. It's just I'm just glad that there are individuals that have the time to find the, the gif and, and put it together well, with a, a whole dog and pony show. Creativity is huge. I'm yeah, in favor of it. Absolutely. We invite it, too. But the other thing that I would counter that is if you think the Giants are tanking, and I don't think tanking happens in the NFL to begin with, why don't you give me an example of a team that tanked? Give me an example. No, I don't want just want, oh, well, they didn't win that. You know, I want play-by-play analysis of the moves they made. I want you to tell me week three, this guy purposely missed the tackle. The coach directed the players not to win football games. The general manager brought the guys in an auditorium and told them, guys, we want the first overall pick. Go out there and do nothing. You give me that example, and then we can have that conversation. Well, look, I, th- I think the argument is that front offices set up rosters to fail. Because they don't think they're coaches competitive. and players do try to win. And I think, to a certain extent, the only argument you can make is, is the Browns, where they did cut a lot of their better players that year to get salary cap space when Sashi Brown was there, and they traded a lot of picks to gain future assets and future assets and future assets. By the way, their ability to make all the moves they have this year is in part because of what Sashi Brown did when he was there. Well, but so, that was his analytical mind too, though, John. Of course. His background yes. was he came with more of a sabermetrics type of approach. So I think mm-hmm. people need to understand That's that. That's true. As opposed to another GM who has a different philosophy may have gone about it a different right. way, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that he was thinking tanking. He was saying, hey, I value this more so than what another team does. Mark in Chicago would like to see them draft the right tackle rather than get one in free agency. Want to groom somebody just like you have Solder and Hernandez, then have a good rotation of vets and young to replenish the future, preserve cap space for next year. I'd be okay with that. I'm fine with that. One other fan has a question about Mike Remmers. Wants to know if he's more of a guard or a tackle. Um, He's somebody that started a guard last year, and the Vikings' offensive line last year was bad. Let's put that straight out. That's one of the reasons they struggled so much. But when he started a right tackle, he was actually graded fairly well by pro football focus. He actually even spent half a year at left tackle with the Vikings the year they had a couple injuries uh, a couple years back. So he is somebody that can play right tackles. He's 30 years old. Um, Something else that's out there. Somebody else tweeted out about one other free agent wide receiver, Chris Hogan, who's a free agent, and the Giants, whether or not they should take a look at him. I think that's the level of wide receiver free agent that they could consider. You know what I mean? Yeah, a guy that you take a flyer on. But then it goes back to our conversation about are you duplicating Sterling Shepard, John, or do you envision him being moved to the outside? Does he have the potential to do that? You have to ask yourself those questions if you want to go after a guy like that. I mean, granted, when you have a 90-man roster, it doesn't hurt you. But when you make decisions for the 53, I think you want to keep 
wide receivers that are a little bit more versatile as opposed to duplications. And this is another tweet from the same guy that had the great GIF. Um, if we wanted to move from OBJ, OBJ, why did we resign him to lose money in picks? Why didn't we trade him for Godfather offer we were presented in the offseason? What? what was the offer in the offseason? There was no Godfather offer in the offseason. Well, that's what I'd like to know That's first. the point. And why you get we... more because he's under contract. You get less if you're trading him on the franchise tag. Um, well, there we go. But see, all of that is a speculative response. Correct. There are no facts in that statement, John, of that tweet that you just read. Does that individual, can that individual bring me once again a legitimate trade offer that was presented mm-hmm. to the Giants where the Giants turned it down and said, nah, we're not interested, and now all of a sudden it's settled for less? When you have that evidence, I'm going to be all ears. Until that, it's pure speculation. Anthony Tregler, if you have a plan and direction that's not working, just stick to that direction is not smart. He agrees. So why are they keeping Eli? And we've talked about that before. Who are you replacing him with? It's not a decision in a vacuum. If you let him go, what's your next move? What if one of the top quarterbacks aren't there at six? What if the Cardinals take one at one? They trade Rosen to a different team. And then the Jets trade down with a different team, and they pick somebody at three. Then what do you do if you're the Giants? If you sign, Look what Nick Foles just got for agency. Okay? Starting quarterbacks cost that much money. You need to replace the guy. You don't just say cut him and then eh, whatever happens, happens. It's too important of a position. Well, John, I'm going to go back to the example I gave at the beginning of the show. The Eagles got rid of Sam Bradford after they drafted Carson Mm -hmm. Wentz. They didn't get rid of Sam Bradford before they drafted Carson Wentz. So if you want to revisit this conversation after the draft, depending on what happens, it may be a conversation worth having. But you don't get rid of plan A when plan B is not already in place. Correct. And then finally, BC the Grim at Hohala BC. I really like Paris Campbell and 6'6", Akeem Butler in the draft. We mentioned Akeem Butler. Paris Campbell had a great combine. He's a guy that kind of did that wild card position at Ohio State. He was kind of like a half running back, half receiver, did a lot of the short routes and stuff, but he looked good at the combine, and he caught the ball. He had some drop issues at Ohio State. He ran really well. Uh, That's someone that could be a valuable early day two, late day one pick for an NFL team. All right, let's do our final calls at 201-939-4513. Jerry in Boca Raton gets two days in a row. Jerry, what's up? Hey, uh, good afternoon, John, Lance. Hey, Jerry. How you doing, Jerry? Yesterday, when I was responding, I was responding emotionally. Of course, and I I understand that, Jerry. It's all good. got heated with Jerry? Did I miss that? He he was just, he was just, he was, he was very upset, and I understand that. It's fair. Interesting. Normally, Jerry gets heated over politics, if memory serves me correctly. So I'm actually quite well, surprised. Well, I'll, I'll yeah. get to that if you. Well, give no, me no, 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 Jerry. No, no, I'm not no, opening no, the door for that. Okay, <laughs> that was said in jest. That's it. Period. Go ahead, Jerry. Okay. However, I listened to your comments yesterday by, by listening to the program again, and as I've got, I commented in the past, I don't call in often because I rarely see see things differently from you. Yeah, that's fine. But now to clear up a comment that I made yesterday about Dave Gettleman, I noted that you, John, admitted that Gettleman was sort of politicky in his remark when he said, we didn't sign OBJ to trade him away. That remark was carefully constructed to allow his future action to go either way. Correct. If there there was no trade, he could stand pat with his remark. But with a trade, he can be fairly accused, and this is what I was talking about, Mm -hmm. of omitting making the following statement. But everyone has a price. So and by my the way, comment Jerry, is sort of in line with, yeah. and Jerry, oh, by what the way, a tangled web we weave <laughs> when first we practice to Yeah, deceive. but Jerry, the reason I believe Dave didn't say that, if you go back to the owner's meeting the year prior, remember when he said, look, guys, everyone's, you know, I'll talk about everybody. I'm never going to say anyone's untouchable. And then that became a big story, right? Oh, they're, look, 
all Dave Gettleman said is that no one's untouchable, and that turned in to that they're looking to trade a certain player. Yeah. That's why he didn't want to say that again, or at least that's my guess. You well, know what I mean? And, Jerry, here's the other thing that I'm going to add to that. When was the last time that a player, a general manager, an owner won the Super Bowl because of winning a press conference, meaning appeasing and crafting words that just were so welcomed by the fan base. I personally think people read too much into press conferences, specifically in the offseason, because there's no football, so you need to consume something. At the end of the day, does it really matter what the words that were said in a press conference or so a few weeks or a few months ago? What does it matter when things change and evolve so much? And people the can change the their mind, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're going to sit here and analyze a statement? How is that going to help the team in the long run? I was just commenting that I was seeing an association between certain things in history. For example, um, when um, I was reminded in 1958, oh, when that? de Gaulle wanted the backing of the military from Algeria, he said, Je vous ai compris. I understood you. Wow. It was seen by the military as having de Gaulle support, but it turned out he didn't actually promise to support them. And the military felt they well, were betrayed. Jerry, in, in fairness, listen. Jerry, we got to run. Well, yeah, I, I mean, we I appreciate, appreciate the vocals. First, of first all, time French ever has been dropped well, on the program, by boy, the way. That was something. But <laughs> I, I, I'm not for one to love the parallel between politics, where maybe life and death situations are on the line, John, point. versus the general manager talking about the makeup of a roster <laughs> for the sake of sports entertainment. And yeah, I, I, I can be blamed for giving Jerry that political door. So I will take full responsibility for that really out of the way type of comparison but in all seriousness things are said in press conferences john and sometimes it doesn't necessarily come to fruition sometimes it goes in a different direction why should i, I will say this over and again it's not the responsibility of an executive and i know a fan is going to look at it through a different lens to lay out his entire game plan for yeah. public consumption in fact it hurts the team yeah, a lot so, of the well, times, you know right. i mean i'm not going to get we you and i have had a difference of philosophy with phil jackson and how he went about carmelo anthony and the knicks and i don't want to get into that but right i mean that that's an example of people criticized him you don't lay out everything you don't criticize a player because you're basically throwing your cards out there so if you sort of play out in the middle ground you give a little but you don't give it all you keep people guessing well the fairness is the point is that you can't win no matter what you do it's kind of 100 like right, you're Le never gonna win leah yeah. new milford's up next hey leo hey how you doing guys all right leo what's uh, up i appreciate uh it's a long time listener i haven't called in a long time but I, listening and watching all of this I, you know you, you you hear dave gettleman and i think it's i i'm always excited when i hear him speak and you know what? He can't disclose everything because that would hurt the team, just exactly. as you said. And I think what he spoke about is his models. And there's all types of models to adjust. Now, years ago, there were probably 10 models they looked at. Today, there's hundreds because there's so many changes that happen so quickly. Hey, I had a senior moment when I saw the trade came down. I saw first, second, third round, and Jabril Peppers. I said, wow, four players. I thought of Herschel Walker. Then I realized when my son texted me, he said, Dad, it's a first and a third round, and Jabril Peppers. Thought about it. Jabril Peppers, I've watched him from Don Bosco to Paramus Catholic to New Michigan. Michigan. What an excellent athlete. He's a lot a of potential. Player. Maybe he'll be better than uh, Collins in the long run. But I think it was something we had to do, and I thought it was an excellent move because – there were so many different variables that we were looking at. 
trading OV, look, we were going to have to cut him because of uh, where our salary cap is. You know, you come up to the quantitative analysis and the qualitative. The quantitative means that we're backs against the wall with a beer pocketbook and a champagne, uh, uh, champagne thirst. So we've got to make adjustments. Well, I tell you, the analogies think, on look, this program Instead today. of cutting him, we got an excellent guard. When I watched right him, about that. what was the biggest problem with the Giants line? They couldn't handle the stunts. Oh, you have a twist, yeah. boom, there's a problem. Leo, and he by the way... He head it, on a swivel. Yeah, Leo, Leo by the way, if you feel even better about it, and I'm sorry, we're, we're late, we're past one, I, I have to let you go, but do me a favor, go to okay. InsideTheFilmRoomOnGiants.com, Carl Banks I've breaks down. I've watched it already. It's perfect. I've watched it and I and, went on YouTube. And, and, excellent. No, I, I appreciate the call, Leo, thank you. And he talks exactly about that. He picks up an inside stunt and an outside stunt against Von Miller, and he's a, one of the smartest guards in the league, had one of the best Wonderlick scores of any guard in all of football, of any draft year. He's a really good football player. Let, let's do our final call real quick, Lance. Yeah, I was just going to say, the Cowboys game is the game that comes to mind with the Correct. stunts. Yeah, to kill them. That's the big one. Will yeah. and Houston will wrap us up today. Hey, Will. Hey, I'm hoping I can finish you guys off on a positive note. Sorry, I joined the call a little bit later on. That's so okay. I'm not going to repeat anything that's been said. That's fine. Go ahead. Um, you know... Yeah, so I was just going to say, John, you actually touched on this a little bit yesterday about how uh, what the Giants offense was able to do in the last four games without Odell and how Eli and the offense actually, you know, turned out okay even in spite of him not being there. And I'm not saying that having Odell not on the field is a better for us. It's not at all. But yeah, I was watching ESPN last night, unfortunately, having them, you know, talk about how, you know, Eli's dead in the water, the offense is dead in the water without Odell. They bring up these stats that since 2014, Eli is basically trash whenever Odell is not on the field. And I keep thinking about it. And, you know, whenever we finished our season last year, the offense revolved around Barkley. When Odell was not on the field for those two seasons, whenever McAdoo was here, he was our offense. Bingo. It was a West Coast-style offense. Bingo. It revolved around Odell. So when Odell's not on the field and you don't have an offensive line, you're never in 22 or 21 personnel. You don't run the ball. You don't have Saquon Barkley. What do you expect Eli Manning to do without Odell? That's exactly what's going to happen. So I actually don't feel too bad about the state of our offense without Odell moving forward because Saquon Barkley is now our offense. And if you look at what Tom Brady and the Patriots did in the Super Bowl, he had no one outside. And I'm not comparing Eli and Tom right now, but, I mean, look, when you can make your offense more than a one-dimensional player, and you have Saquon in a line, and, you know, the way things turned out last year, I actually don't feel bad about it. Now, again, I love Odell, and I'm Mm -hmm. very grateful for everything he's given to our team the past couple of years. But to just completely write off the season next year and say, our offense is going to be horrible without Odell, I think that people need to be a little bit more open-minded about where our offense is headed compared to where it was in the past. I agree. And that's all I have, guys. Thank yeah. you. Good and, stuff, Will. And, and I could not have said it better myself. I said something similar earlier in the show. And frankly, Lance, my concern right now, I'm much more concerned about the defense than the offense. And it's yeah. frankly not even close. Well, I had questions about the defense even before this trade. Yeah, of course. What, what do you think? They're all of a sudden going to disappear? Defense, you look at where it ranked, uh, with the exception of the 2016 season, the defense has been Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I mean, that has to be straightened out because you could score all the points in the world, and if you don't find a way to get your defense off the field, as Kansas City can certainly relate to based on what happened in the AFC Championship game, not being able to get an offensive possession in overtime, I mean, that's how NFL needs to be played. It needs to be balanced. And, you know, I I thought Will made a great point, And, and kudos to you, Will, because Will provided context, John. 
He didn't just throw a number out to say when Odell's on the field versus when he's not on the field. He broke it down. He used the personnel. He explained the offensive scheme. Who the coach was. All of those things are relevant as opposed to a random number or statistic on a page. And the offense under Ben McAdoo is completely different than what they did under Pat Shermer last year. And while it's a small sample size of four games, and I said that when I pointed the stats out, and we'll see if it can continue over a 16-game span, we don't know that. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, sample size. The front office is betting it will, I guess, okay? It's much different than the offense they're running under Ben McAdoo. So using those numbers and including them in what happened last year, it's two completely different situations. Different play caller. A lot of things have changed. All right, Lance and Jeff Fiegels will be with you tomorrow at noonongiants.com, and then we'll be back next week and take more of your calls. As the Giants continue along in the offseason, it was all presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to an amazing Giants prizes. Great job on Twitter, even for the guy that killed us. We love you, too. (laughs) Thanks to the guy on the phones. We appreciate that as well. And we'll see you tomorrow at noon on Giants.com, everybody. Thank you for being part of the show. We'll see you then. Have a good one.